Hey, y'all, this is Rob. And before we begin this episode, I just want to say my studio, Strange Loop Animation, is creating an adult animated series. It's a sci-fi action comedy, and it is about a space stoner and a pissed off cat alien lost in the multiverse. If that doesn't prick your ears up and tingle the neck hairs on your body, then I don't know what will. So check out the Indiegogo campaign linked in the episode description for more information and consider adding your support to this production. Thank you for listening. Goodbye forever. I love you. Whoa, hey, you. I did not consent to that. Oops. But you know what? I'll do it anyway. Because I have no boundaries. Nope. And I don't deserve any. So. That's okay. Yep. Nope. Yup. Nope. Yup. And now I'm recording on my end. Not like that. Wow. Greetings, listeners. Welcome on into the Nostalgia Pit, a podcast aiming to dissect pop culture the subconscious, and other psychological phenomena through a hyperbolic and prismatic lens. Hosted by Rob Snow and Colin Cassard, mixed by Alex Riddle, and songs produced by Golden Beats, The Nostalgia Pit is available anywhere you find your podcasts. Time to put our semi-sweet serious hats on and talk some malarkey. That's right, we sit down to talk about growing up with a cavalcade of world-ending events constantly on the horizon, cultural trauma, and the paradox of tradition. We also talk the NFL's non-profit status, how Burger King is being sued, and children being raised by the emotionally unavailable and or immature. At this time, we want to thank our brand new sponsor, Selena Flores Photo a multidisciplinary photographer specializing in portraits, lifestyle, and event photography. Celebrating over 20 years in the game and with a brand new studio in Portland, Oregon, you can receive 10% off your first booking when you mention this ad. Make sure to check them out on Instagram at Selena Flores Photo, all one word. And if you enjoy what we're doing here at The Pit and would like to support us further, please check us out at patreon.com slash the nostalgia pit. We also have recently launched our merch store. So go check out etsy.com slash shop slash the nostalgia pit to cop a t-shirt with our faces on them. That's right. Welcome to the narcissism pit. Alrighty then, let's get into it. Multifaceted, chaotic minded meat sacks. Man, I do not enjoy my face or what I sound like. What? Because it's so cringe. Dude, being alive is so fucking cringe, dude. feel like uh, dead people are like the only cool people. I think that's so cool. Because they're just chilling, dude. Yeah. Live people are so fucking lame. I'm going to need an almond. Oh, okay. I got a pastec la croix. Agua melon? 
dude, how did you fucking know that shit? Because I'm cool. I didn't know you spoke Francais. Francois. No, I told you I took French in high school. Bantink. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I had the Pepe Le Pew for my teacher. <laughs> Very racist. He's canceled. We don't talk about him. Well, my teacher was borderline cancelable. Oh, yeah? Was he problematic a little bit? I mean, his depiction of the French people <laughs> was not was not good. It was a lot of baguettes and ha ha ha. Oh no, he did that, huh? Oh, dude, all the time. Like, like any time that someone got a correct answer. Oh damn. Oh, oh, oh. That's not great. I mean, at least it's uh, at least it's uh, xenophobic and not racist. You know, xenophobia. I can, I can deal with. It can even be a little funny, maybe. I'm not. I'm not that involved. But racism, I can't, I can't get behind that shit. Well, that's what uh, Rush Hour is all about, xenophobia. Oh, that's true, I guess. Yeah. I guess it gets kind of tied, right? Because, you know, race is, I mean, it's a made-up classification, but, you know, races uh, are a result of a geographic happenstance, you know, ultimately, I guess, originally. I don't know, races are stupid. Race is so stupid. It's such a dumb arbitrary classification i hate getting in an online discussion with a race realist because it's so maddening it's like trying to convince somebody that the sky is blue what is a race race realist it's just a racist that uses like scientific like they're like race is real so like it's a real thing you know it's like no it's not it's really not it's a made-up thing. It was made up. Current classifications were made up like within the last, well, I guess millennia. But that's a good, that's a good look. For the listening audience, if we're recording at this point, he's wearing a tiny chef's hat. I'm French. It's very uh befitting. No, that's good. No, I'm sleeping. Or see, I'm wearing a French beret. <laughs> You know what's funny is that it looks like your cat is kind of grabbing you yeah. because the mic is obscuring you a little bit. And it, mm -hmm. So it looks like he's kind of like holding on to you. It's kind of cool. But yeah, Richard Spencer would call himself a race realist if it gives you any indication. Dick Spen? Dick Spencer? <laughs> Dick Spence? <laughs> Dick Spencer? So wait, so a race realist believes in like eugenics and shit yeah pretty much yep they just like they're like you know yeah exactly they're eugenicists they just believe that no nah, like races are real and like we can draw conclusions from somebody's fucking skin color <laughs> and it's like it's like dude there's as much difference between like an irishman and a ukrainian as there is from a fucking irishman and a ethiopian like there's no fucking reality to race it's a it's a social category people like to put cultural differences and then be like oh see that's a racist or that's a yeah. race thing you know what i mean it's like no that's a right. cultural thing exactly fun but so then you know nations you know and race nationality and race get conflated or are conflated you know in some sense you know 
Because if you were going to be xenophobic towards a, you know, a Chinese person, I mean, that could very easily be racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. very few races live in, in China that aren't like... <laughs> See, this is a problematic conversation. I'm going to stop. I feel like I, I was having this conversation with an animator friend of mine. Mm. And he was talking about how like he feels weird going on because he feels like, you know, I should be promoting my studio. I should be promoting my business online, you know, and like doing content. But then anything he feels like at, you know, 36, anything he wants to say seems like it's probably going to be taken in a negative way. You know, like anything he says at this point is a young man is a young person's world now. Being over in your 30s, you know, you're going to say some shit that just does not hit. It's it's not the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, trying to say something that's going to be relevant to every single person is impossible. Like, we just need to stop worrying about who's listening. That's fucking right. God damn it. But also, we need to stop trying on social media. Oh, God. Man. Selena says hi. Selena! Hey, thank you for the record. Thank you for purchasing a record. Oh, yeah, don't tell her. Okay, I won't. She can't know yet. Well, I I told her I appreciate her. He says he appreciates you. Also, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to get my picture taken by her at some point. I'm going to have to book a sesh at some book point. A session at some... Yeah, oh, what, yeah, when are you coming down to Portland? You can do it when you're in Portland. I don't know. I got to figure it out. I have ADHD. I can't fucking figure shit out. She says she gives you friend price. What? <sighs> oh my god! Oh, the cats need food. That's what they're. That's what they want. Oh, uh, here's my. Uh, speaking of uh, social media and young people and whatnot, mm. I was watching this informant. I've been again, as usual, consuming way too fucking much social media. It's literally a problem. I'm going to need intervention, external intervention to stop. Yeah. But I watched this video that was very thought provoking. This guy was talking about, you know how like it's funny to make fun of like the cringe millennial anime kind of person who's like, well, let me, you know, like they like have the very anime sort of, you know, physicality Okay, when they speak. Are you aware of this cringe character? Have you encountered uh, this? Not necessarily, but I, yeah, no, I don't think I do. I encountered them more in like high school than in real life. In okay, my do an impression life, of them. But, oh man, I'm trying to think like, it would be like, actually, I think this girl might like me, you know, like very like. Oh, then they do like the the look afterward, and like they're kind of over the top, and yeah, yeah, and, like in a weird, like insincere, trying to be sincere way. Yeah, exactly. And it's 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 like very anime, you know, very performative. Yeah, and it's fun to make fun of that character online. Like lots of, you know, comedic comedic types do that character okay. online okay. on TikTok and whatnot. See, I'm not on TikTok, so. But are you on whatnot? What's whatnot? I don't know, but it could be an app, huh? That's a good. That's a good name. It's yeah. a good name, dude. Whatnot. Anyway, this dude was talking about how, like, actually, what they're making fun of is not so much 
like a cringe millennial type. What they're making fun of is somebody who has a social deficit. They lack socialization. And so they've gotten their social norms from TV, from like anime, Mm -hmm. you know, from like Mm -hmm. television. And so they've uh, interpreted the world that way. That's how they socialize is is through the lens of like an anime character. Uh, And like nowadays, everybody is getting their socialization from social media. Like now we're all sort of emulating this kind of more homogenized social media character. Mm -hmm. And it's like leading to more social isolation, more social isolation. And like eventually instead of people, you know, Gen Z being cringe later, we're all going to be cringe in the same way because none of us are like socializing very much with real people. Oh yeah. (laughs) We're spending so much time online. Well, that's the biggest problem with cell phones is like, I don't know, like I've, I've probably said it on this podcast before that like, there's nothing better than like going to hang out with your friends who you haven't seen in a good while. And then like you're hanging out in a group and everyone's got their phone out Mm -hmm. and you're like excited to see everyone. Like me, I relish in like hanging out conversations in person and things like that. And so, you know, this isn't every group of friends that I, that I'm hanging out with, but you know, there's certainly certain people periodically where it's just like, yeah, you know, like you just pull out the phone, you start talking about stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's the new norm and it's not even, it's not even that people want to be doing it. It's just that they have an addictive Mm -hmm. device in their hands and they don't even understand or a lot of people don't want to understand like a lot of people like their whole life is like like yeah instagram and tiktok that's like what i do like i hear people talk about how they thoroughly enjoy scrolling tiktok for two hours a day i'm gonna tell you right now no they don't all right you can't they say that they do right right? but it's just like somebody who's like i enjoy doing heroin (laughs) it's like Mm. I mean, heroin feels mm. really good. <laughs> of course, of course, but that's that's it's just it's a different thing from like actually enjoying something than like being addicted to a rush of, you know, chemical like endorphins or hormones or whatever. I don't know, even what is enjoyment other than that though, I guess. Well, I can say this that I guarantee Yeah, like well, I guarantee that no one's going to be laying on their deathbed and being like, man, I wish I scrolled TikTok more. <laughs> like, I, like, no one is going to be thinking that, you know? <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. They're just going to uh, be like, oh, shit, you know? Like, if only I could have seen more memes <laughs> in my life. Yeah. I mean, maybe people will 30 years down the line, but it's this is part of the problem of the apathetic, you know, the apathy of the Gen Z and it's like some, not all Gen Z people are very apathetic, but like there is like a super strong apathy in the ones that are just immersed in technology all the time. They're not socialized. Yeah. And also like you can't really blame them when like they're hearing news stories that like the world is going to end in like 30 know. years, you know, and shit like that. So like, yeah, I mean, I kind of get that too. For like for me, you know, when 9-11 happened when I was 10. By the and, way, we're filming this the day after 9-11, so that's going to be part of the conversation. <laughs> just just to let the audience know. Spoiler alert. The towers fell. Did I say filming? I meant recording. All right? So just- yeah, we're filming. I'm filming you. Pop that in there 
instead of filming. Mm-hmm. Let me get a clean take. Recording. Okay. Recording in yeah. progress. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, what, what I was saying is that like, you know, at 10, it was 9-11 for me. Before that, it was the Y2K, the world's going to end there. And then after 9-11 happens, it's 2012 is right around the corner. <laughs> All right. So, so it's just like I've been constantly. Oh, and 2008, the the crash. Oh, and, and the, yep, yep. Yep. the Great Recession. The Great Recession, yep. As it was dubbed. And then and then COVID. <laughs> and then COVID, right? But yeah. the point is like into my 20s, I was thoroughly like, why try? Why save money? Why build credit? Why totally, do any of man. these things? Because yeah. it's just like I've been constantly bombarded with this concept that the world's going to end at any point mm-hmm. in time. And so then all of a sudden, you know, you're in your late 20s or in your, your early 30s and you look around and you're like, oh, the world didn't end and I'm here right? and I am not an adult. Yeah. And so I should probably figure these things out. I mean, I was talking to my mom who's turning, I think she's at 68. I should know my mom's age. But she's she's uh it's my mom's birthday in a couple days here. Yeah. So happy birthday, mom. But um she was her boyfriend or, and I just said her boyfriend, her husband, she's been married for like twenty years. Her husband came Damn, to Damn, do you know your mom at all? Like what's your mom's name? Do you even know? Like uh, you don't even know. Uh, uh, um <laughs> her husband was there and I haven't seen him in probably like ten plus years, you know, maybe even longer. And he was just like, yeah, stop, you know, stop growing up or something like that. And I was like, well, I still feel like I'm 13 internally. And, and, you know, they both were just like, yeah, we do too. Oh, okay. (laughs) So it's intergenerational. All right. Well, yeah, it's just one of those things where (laughs) if you're young at heart, you're young at heart. You know, if you're an old soul, you're an old soul. It's not always that I feel like I'm 13, you know, but there's a lot of times where I'm just like, oh, I have the maturity level of a 13 year old. Mm hmm. You know, and theoretically, it'd be cool to, you know, be a little more prepared to have the tools uh, to do more adult things. But also at the same time, like, you know, if I was being an adult and shit like that, the economy still could have crashed. I still could have lost everything. I mean, I don't know. It's like there's so many things that are out of your control. So it's really easy to consider that the grass is on greener on the other side, you know? counterfactual thinking and shit may you ever get in a room full of like adults you know trademark yeah copyright yep. and then you're like god damn bro I'm like <laughs> I, don't, I can't relate to these fucking people yeah i mean <laughs> a lot of the time you can find things to relate on but yeah when they have like professional jobs and are living like a professional white collar life mm-hmm. it's very uh very off-putting i mean that makes sense that most of my friends aren't white collar but also, probably white collar people don't want to hang out with me. You know, that's that's my guess. Yeah, maybe they do. Maybe they're like, this guy's <laughs> maybe cool. they're just really itching to get to know you, and you're just yeah. brushing them off. You just know? keep brushing them off. Man. <laughs> uh, speaking of like generations, Gen Z, thus, you know, the, this kind of thing, etc. So, uh, anyway, okay, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh yeah, I'm definitely an old man because my brain is fucking done for man. I can't think at all. Okay. Anyway, reset. Yeah. But that's probably because of the social media and the, you know, these are all the things I know it will help. Oh, little can- I'm going to smoke a little weed, a little cannabis. That'll get the brain going for sure. Yeah. In the last episode I had smoked like an hour, hour and a half before we recorded. Oh, did you? Yeah. And so I was a little stoned still 
And by a little, I mean, I was very stoned. And also <laughs> the internet was just like flubbing out like a bunch. I know. Poor Shroom. <laughs> was that that episode? Yeah. I felt yeah. like I could never get momentum for the episode. You know what I mean? That's okay, man. The world's ending. Remember? It's true. Why even, why are we doing this? Why are we podcasting? But speaking of Gen Z and whatnot, I saw this, uh, and the internet, uh, I saw this tweet. This dude was like, oh, <laughs> he was like, oh, you've been misgendered? Well, I witnessed 9-11. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> and dude, like, could you just chill and not just be so eager to be the next boomers? Like, what are you doing? This is what the boomers did. Exactly the same thing. And we hated the boomers for it. They're, you know, why don't you get a real job and buy a house and get married? That's what I did. You're doing the same thing. You're like, oh, oh, your trauma is so bad. Well, guess what I went through? It's like, dude, stop, stop. Let Gen, Gen Z didn't go through it. So they don't give a fuck, you know? I also thought about how we like to make all these, you know, our generation likes to make all these, uh, you know, and Gen X. Hitler jokes, Nazi jokes, you know, make Hitler yeah. like a cute little character. And, and it's like, I was just thinking about, yeah, 9-11 was fucking traumatic, dude. I mean, it was, it was nationally, maybe internet, maybe globally traumatic. And just in a way that like can't really be described unless you went through it. And I don't even, I, you know, obviously being in the fucking Pacific Northwest, I didn't, I got a very stray bullet. You know, like I did not get a, a, you know, real shot in the chest like New Yorkers did. Yeah. But like Gen Z didn't go through it. So they don't give a fuck. It's a joke. It's a it's a fucking shocking edgelord joke to them. You know, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. They didn't lose anybody personally, you know. So I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I mean, they have their own traumas that they're going through right now. Yeah. Like like school shootings, and school shootings, like yeah. You know, so it's yep. like and the pandemic, obviously, like you know, in their formative years, yeah. But more so, the shootings, the shootings are pretty fucking traumatic. Yeah, having s drills like that, like every fucking, you know, I don't know how often they do it, but either way, it's got to be terrifying that you have to like do that as a drill. I remember doing tornado drills in Minnesota and then earthquake drills in the Northwest, and. I only went through one earthquake, but I'll tell you, and I've only been through one tornado and both are very terrifying. And just the drill, knowing that it's like always a possibility is, 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 you know, puts you on edge a little bit. Yeah. So I can only imagine knowing that at any moment, some fucking maniac could come in and start mowing your fucking classmates down at age fucking 10 or under, you know? I mean, like, Jesus Christ, man, you can't... How are you supposed to deal with that? That's crazy. I mean... I didn't really have to deal with it in school. No, I think we... I had, like, maybe one, maybe two drills about the concept of someone being in the school that wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. But it was not, like, a, a, a shooting drill. And, I mean, maybe there was one drill after Columbine happened. That's another thing that happened when I was a kid. You know, it's Columbine. Yeah, right. The first, like, real big, widely known school shooting. Yeah, and there's some insane statistics about how many people are actually affected by school shootings when you look at, like, the amount of kids that are in it and then the family of each, like, child and, like, you know, like, the actual, like, first, second, third degree impact mm, yeah. from school shootings is insane. It's insane how many people are affected by that, so. Yeah, I, I, 
you know, I think it's a little bit cringe to, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm so like disaffected at this point. Like, I really don't know. Like, it's kind of cringe to see guns rights activists, you know, even though I agree with what they're saying, it's still super fucking cringe to see them like, we need to get rid of guns. And it's like, yeah, I get what you're saying. You're probably right. But like, it just feels so hopeless and useless and pointless and like very performative. It's not going to, we're not going to get rid of guns in America. It's, it's baked into the fucking fabric of our nation. Like yeah. Australia could get rid of guns. They had this massive shooting and we should look into this dude. This dude is crazy. This guy, he was like developmentally challenged, I think, but he was also clearly like a fucking psychopath. And he ended up like shacking up, not in a sexual way, but I guess it, so maybe shacking up isn't the way to put it, but he moved in with this old lady and kind of inherited all of her money and ended up like killing her and apparently like allegedly fucked animals as well. Anyway, he decided he was going to go on a fucking rampage. And so he shot, he went all up and down Australia, just shooting people and uh, eventually got caught. And like immediately, pretty much Australia did a gun ban and bought back as many guns as they could. And they really haven't had, uh, you know, shootings since then. But you can't do that in fucking America. I don't think. I mean, you could, but you just have to like seriously dismantle like very powerful entities. You know what I mean? It's like when corporations like like we need to get rid of corporate lobbying, man. This shit's crazy. dude. I know. I cannot believe we're doing that. That's so nuts. You know, it's one thing that is fucking absolutely insane. And I think Selena reminded me of it the other day, but I, I knew of it. But the fact that the NFL is a nonprofit. <laughs> Wait a minute. You like that? What? Yeah. It is? But it's not, though. Dude. It's like, it is a for-profit goddamn industry. A guy, so... <laughs> Uh, Dan Daniel Snyder, if I recall his correctly his name, I'm going to double check it because you better be right. God damn it. Daniel Snyder. Um, he just sold. He was out. At, yeah. So Daniel Snyder was the owner of the Washington Commanders is the team that is now. And he fought for a very long time to change because he didn't want to change their name from the Redskins. Uh, yeah, a worthy cause to fucking get behind, you piece of shit. Good Lord. Of all the things you could fight for, yeah. you're like, no, I want it to be named the racist thing. Yeah. Like, what? literally, yeah. I mean, so you have the Braves, you have the Indians, and then you have the Redskins, and it's just like, the Redskins yeah. is just a derogatory term, you guys. It's like, the probably worst one. Yeah, hands yeah. down. Because, like, a lot of American indigenous people call themselves Indians, so it's yeah. like, okay, there's, like, some case to be made there, I guess. Yeah. But... Redskin is un... You can't do it, man. No. Yeah. Well, so Daniel Snyder, he um, he owned the Washington football team, and he just recently sold them for $6 billion. <laughs> and he... <laughs> and so he was... Out, he had to sell the team because he got kicked out of... He got, you know, forced to sell the team because he was... He had a very toxic work environment. There was a lot of sexual harassment going on. 
treatment of you know black people poorly, treatment of women poorly. You're telling me the guy that fought to keep the name Redskins is actually like it's crazy, pretty right? toxic it's and crazy, racist right? and sexist. That's I can't believe that. I cannot believe it. I refuse to believe it. Wow. <laughs> but the fact is that you know, like his he was rewarded for his behavior. Yeah, the six billion yeah, dollar right. check. Yeah, that's why the justice system in America. That's why you cannot have. Uh, see, okay, look. Every time I'm about to say anything, I immediately hear like the counter argument in my head from like the internet or like people I know or whatever. But I want to say that capitalism and justice are polar opposites. You cannot have a justice system in a capitalist society. Because if you can pay your way out, if you have the money to pay your way out of it, you do not have to ever face consequences, you know? And maybe there's a case to be made that like, if Trump, you know, goes to prison or whatever, okay, you know, maybe it's possible that there is, there's a possibility, a potential for justice in a capitalist society, maybe. But for the most part, no. Because if you get a, if you can get a lawyer that speaks good enough legalese, you know, <laughs> and like understands the law to get some loopholes, or if you can pay off a fucking judge, you're not going to jail. We have a brand new product coming to Starmart, and I'm very excited to announce it. It's called Milk Toast Crunch. This is a beautiful cereal that it has no flavor at all. It's completely bland. And it does not, it, it's called Milk Toast Crunch, but it actually is very soft. You will not hurt the roof of your mouth with it. It will not make an unpleasant crunching sound inside of your ears. It's actually very calming. It's slightly beige. It's not too extreme. And uh, you, of course, you would use, uh, you know, probably a, a, a milk that's not coming from a cow, I would imagine, because that can be harsh on your tum-tum. So, yeah, Milk Toast Crunch. It's coming very soon, but not soon enough to be shocking or urgent. And it's not going to be late enough that uh, it'll make you stress out about when, when it's coming. It'll come at the exact right time. Milk Toast Crunch. It's what God would want you to eat. Milk Toast Crunch at Starmark. Thank you. So do you want to, you want me to read this story to you about yeah. the NFL's nonprofitness? I would love to be outraged and shocked. Yes. So this article is written in 2014. So, you know, 10 years old at this point. A, mi- but a million years ago. Yeah. Seriously. So a list of America's best compensated CEOs, as you might imagine, includes a dream team of industry titans. According to Equilar, which collects data on executive salaries, uh, Oracle's Larry Ellison pulled in $96.2 million in 2012 Wait, for being a CEO. $22 million? Is that what you said? No, he pulled in $96.2 million. Oh, wow. For his salary? Yeah, for being a CEO of, of Oracle. H- holy shit. That is so much fucking yeah. money, dude. In 2012, Robert Iger, Walt Disney, pulled yeah, in 37 piece point... Piece of piece of shit. 40, uh, 37.1 million. Rupert Murdoch had 22.4. 
and Alan Mullaly of Ford pulled in $21 million. Another member of that salary stratosphere is Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, who earned $44.2 million in total compensation in 2012. Jesus. The difference between Goodell and the rest, though, is that he runs a nonprofit. That's right. <laughs> the NFL, in the eyes of the IRS, is a nonprofit. The tax-exempt status that has never been more in danger due to rising political and public anger at recent NFL scandals, including the Ray Rice domestic abuse case, the Adrian Peterson child abuse case, and the Washington Redskins' refusal to change their name and mascot. Uh, in southwestern Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh Steelers have received their own self-inflicted black eyes following allegations of sexual abuse in 2010. Quarterback Ben Roethlisberger served a four-game suspension while recently re-signed linebacker James Harrison was remes- re- uh, arrested on domestic abuse in 20, uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. So this is just talking about all the bad people and bad shit that the NFL does, but it's still a nonprofit. Over the past year, three U.S. senators have proposed bills to strip the NFL of its tax exemption. Yeah, 100 than- fucking percent. Pay the fucking taxes, you goddamn maniacs. While more than 400,000 people have signed a change.org petition urging the Congress to act. Uh, we are subsidizing the institution that has been so incredibly obtuse about the issues of sexual violence. Uh, this is said by Lawrence Lessig, the director of the Edmund J. Safra Center for Ethics at Harvard and the, found, and the founder of Root Strikers, a grassroots advocacy group that has been campaigned against the exemption. The American public obviously likes sports and football. But when you clearly, sure you're in a clearly commercial context, when an enormous amount of money is being made, the idea that you would be subsidizing is crazy. Yeah. How do they get away with being a nonprofit? Like, what's the justification? What, what is the, uh, what do you have to do to become a nonprofit? Just file the paperwork? Don't you have to like provide some common good? I mean, or, like, <laughs> don't you have to be a not profit making fucking <laughs> clearly the nfl makes a fuck ton of money yeah well they they lobbied a dude in the 70s i'm gonna pull up the history of it after that's mind-blowing dude i can't believe i didn't know that yeah so to be clear the entire nfl is not a non-profit like many modern corporations what we think of as the nfl is an entity composed of various subsidies including oh. the for-profit nfl network the cable and satellite network owned by the league as well as 32 separate teams oh in 2012, the NFL netted $9.5 billion in revenue through TV licensing, ticket sales, and merchandising. The vast majority of that money is funneled through the league's teams. The teams are subsequently responsible for paying, quote, dues to the league's office, which manages rules, oversees referees, and conducts player safety research, which is hmm. fucking laughable. <laughs> yeah, for real, dude. I mean, I guess there's been a lot of improvements in player safety in the last De- uh, century or whatever the fuck. Yes and no. I mean, just re- you know, as you were talking about race realists, like there was a thing where there was a con- like a, a, a concussion lawsuit mm-hmm. for a bunch of players, mm-hmm. and the people in the NFL that calculated how much money was to be paid out to players used an algorithm based in racism. Right. That, I remember you were telling me about that. Yeah. Had a less cognitive like less ability for cognitive awareness than white people did. Right. So it affected them less. Yeah, yeah exactly. So like, therefore the, them dude. being brain dead was not as, um, you know, effective. Man, fuck the NFL, dude. dude the NFL <laughs> fucking sucks, dude. I fucking hate it. Fuck them. Fuck football. 
You, if you like it's football, just not you're that important. This, eat my ass. Like football's fun, but like, dude, I don't know if it's like this important, you know, to like maintain a fake nonprofit that causes immeasurable harm. Yeah. If, uh, if they, like, if there was a thing, cause I mean, like when you look at the average NFL career, it's like four to six years or something like that. The average yeah, NFL right. player does not make very much money. They like a lot of them end up, you know, out of the league very quickly and, and then they don't what? really have you know? anything to to pay for it. And they have life altering injuries and like right. shit like that. So to me, the NFL, like I would be okay with it conceptually, it as an entity, if they were at least like paying for health insurance in perpetuity for their mm-hmm. the people who used to play for them. But it's crazy how many people died, you know, former players, former legends of the sport died poor and yeah. broken in like in a just or homeless or like on drugs or you know so many shitty things the nfl just eats up people it's a meat it's a meat market it's a meat machine yeah you know what i mean it's like it literally uses bodies to fucking run it and once you can't do that it's just over and the people that that enjoy it and that consume it on a constant basis are just playing this tunnel vision ethics yeah thing you know and it's just like oh well i just really enjoy it i was raised on it it's like cool traditions like that all over the place are super fucked up that's how racism continues it's like oh well my grandpa was racist so i'm racist. <laughs> exactly it's like dude right. like what is it it's not a where good did argument. i hear the quote that it's uh god oh it was ll cool j on hot ones and he said uh tradition is just peer pressure from the dead or something like that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's that's like, exactly like, Damn, what that's the a fuck fucking really good quote, man. <laughs> like that is precisely what the fuck it is, man. Yeah, because tradition, it like it's like I get it. There's a lot of tradition that is very valid, and that's how you carry culture, you know. And, yeah, and of course, like right. that. But also, there are so many just super poorly thought about constructs that mm-hmm. are, you know, ushered forth under the guise of tradition and right. no one will stop and look at them and be like, maybe this is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I don't, I'm very critical and skeptical and suspicious of tradition. Mm-hmm. Like any time, like holidays, I fucking hate holidays. <laughs> like I don't really get down with a lot of like, uh, cultural shit. Like I just, I try to like walk my own path. Cause I just, I'm very wary of tradition. Like tradition kind of like ferries in a, a lot of, really harmful shit and you just have to accept it because hey it's tradition it's like no it's it's not good reasoning yeah we got to critically think about this shit yeah so where was i in this article oh yeah the league office received 326 million dollars in dues in 2012 the most recent year for which data was available when this was written uh, uh, only the league office run by Goodell is considered a nonprofit. So hmm. that's 326 million out of the 9.5 billion doesn't have to be taxed. So unlike public charities <laughs> such as the American Red Cross and Salvation Army, which are considered 501c3 nonprofits, the NFL mm-hmm. is a 501c6 organization. A segment of the tax code that applies to trade associations such as the American Medical Association. And the U.S. Chamber of Commerce was created in 1942. These groups are afforded nonprofit status to support the common interest of the members of a particular industry. The AMA, for example, supports doctors across the country. The chamber advances collective uh, business interests. 
Membership is supposed to be open to anyone who can meet some basic requirement, uh, be it a medical degree or real estate license. Given that the NFL Trade Association is limited to just 32 teams, several experts, several experts told Public Source that the league should not be considered a 501c6 organization. Philip Hackney, an associate professor at the Law Center of Louisiana State University and a former attorney in the IRS's Department of Tax-Exempt Government Entities, points to the seemingly similar situation in the 1979 U.S. Supreme Court decision in National Muffler Dealers Association Incorporated versus the United States. <laughs> Muffler chain Midas tried to form a trade association of Midas dealers around the country to take advantage of the nonprofit tax breaks at the national office. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah, the IRS denied the request, as did the Supreme Court, ruling that the association's focus, focus which was to promote Midas, was far too narrow. So Goodell's salary also seems to fail the IRS requirement that no nonprofit exists to benefit a certain individual. With oh, his 40, sure, yeah. Yeah, with his $44.2 million in compensation in 2012, <laughs> Goodell Christ. took home a whopping 14% of the, league's, the league office's total revenue. That's insane, bro. Yeah. Other top earners were uh, Executive Vice President and General Counsel Jeff Pash. He took home $7.9 million. Executive President of Business Ventures, Eric Grubman, which took home 4.2. Three others received compensation packages higher than $1.7 million. Well, that's it? Only a, uh, only almost $2 million? Only almost $2 million. That's bullshit, man. It's not enough. How can you live on that? You would only have like one super yacht. Wait, only one super yacht? That's bullshit. Fuck. And like only be able to have the crew there half the year. <laughs> yeah. So the the NHL commissioner and the and the professional the PGA the Professional Golf Association tour commissioner each made eight point three million only eight point three million. The NBA <laughs> is that all? <laughs> so the NBA has also or has always been a non nonprofit. Major League Baseball gave up its tax exempt status in two thousand eight. So up until no two thousand eight, like voluntarily, or were they stripped of their? Status. There's no history of that here, but that's an interesting concept to look up. Yeah, because if they did it voluntarily, it's like, hey, all right, good, good for y'all. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy to consider that they make that much goddamn money. <laughs> yeah, bro, that's insane. <laughs> so apparently, in 2015, the NFL dropped their tax exempt exemption status. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So they had it for 73 years. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, they were. so that's how long they weren't paying taxes. So like these are the p things that are broken in the country, you know, is the fact that like the people that should be paying taxes and the, yeah. the things that could actually be subsidized by like all the money, like the more money you make, the less you have to pay. Oh, for sure. Because once again, like if you have the money, you can find tax experts, people who can use all the loopholes available, you know what I mean? Get somebody to create you this very complicated system of, of you know, shell companies and virtual business licenses or whatever the fuck they do. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a fucking shell game, man. Mm -hmm. So when you have the money, you don't have to pay your taxes and you can lobby politicians to lower your taxes that you do pay. It's crazy. So 
the NFL is a nonprop or you know is a nonprofit because the league was segregated as a tra- as a trade association per the IRS regulations in the year 1942. Hmm. So yeah. Okay. Trade associations can be understood as business associations whose main objective lies in the promoting of a common interest of their members rather than themselves. Which is bullshit. <sighs> yeah. They're like the most selfish fucking people ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't really I don't really quite understand why they would fit the bill for this but okay so going whatever. through history it can be seen that before 1966 the NFL and AFL which were the two major professional organizations in the US hmm. these two leagues intended to merge however because of antitrust laws it required the direct involvement of Congress that year Louisiana congressman Bustle B Long and he <laughs> hail Boggs what kind of fucking name is that? That is a made-up name. Bustle. B-U-S-S-L-E. Bustle B. Long? Bustle B. Long. That's a porn star. Yo, That's you bustle be long, bro. Bustle be long, baby. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, bustle spouts over here. So they contributed to enacting Public Law 89-800, which makes it easier for the two leagues to become a unit. Simultaneously, they brought reforms to the tax code. And thus... So yeah, they just lobbied... You know, this is like probably some of the first corporate lobbying that really, really happened. Maybe not, though. Uh, no, I would say probably not because, <laughs> uh, you know, the roaring 20s and, you know, all that shit. Yeah, that's true. The Kennedys, um, you know. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of fucking lobbying, you know, are just about the exact same amount as now, I guess, probably. Uh, yeah, there's there's probably just as much. But the fact is that, like. Wall Street has done a really good job of getting past the no monopolies thing and by, you know, buying a bunch of different corporations all under like one shell or like one one umbrella and it's not technically a monopoly, but they're totally mm. monopolizing industries. Oh, yeah. Everything's so monopolized or more mon- monopolized now than when I was, you know, a kid, I feel like. Yeah. Well, we had options for a lot of things. I mean, like, obviously, like, the entertainment industry was kind of monopolized because there were only, like, three channels when, you know, our parents were were kids. But, you know, part of that was, like, a supply and demand thing. There just wasn't that many people trying to be in... Well, maybe not. I'm <laughs> sure a lot of people wanted to be entertainers as well. But Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like you're seeing a lot of things bought up and then the price raised. So like, for example, you know, the one that I can speak of from experience is the food industry and U.S. foods bought up a bunch of these low, these local, smaller distribution companies Mm. and put them out of business. So people are forced to go through U.S. foods to, uh, you know, supply their restaurants and then when the pandemic happened, you know, some paper products, you know, which were a necessity for all these businesses that could not have dine-in and everyone was ordering to go, mm-hmm. they raised the price of like to-go boxes by like 600%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so like... Just like they did the fucking hand sanitizer, you know? Yeah. Toilet paper, you know? Yeah, toilet uh, paper, yep. And like, you know, going back to the shrinkflation thing, like I noticed, you know, mm-hmm. not too long after the, the the pandemic started, like when we went to go buy toilet paper after the shortage, like the thing at Costco that used to last us for months, mm-hmm. months and months. And like that is, they, you know, they, they just shrank it, you know, and they're just like, oh, you're buying the same amount. 
And it's like really easy. It's just a cultural gaslighting. <laughs> yeah, for real. Wasn't there just recently a, a lawsuit about shrinkflation? Uh, I'd be interested to hear about that. I know that there was one about uh, Taco Bell fa- false advertising their crunch wrap. Do you remember? Did you see that one? <laughs> no. What? Uh, what is like that? the picture that they show of the crunch wrap, you know, when you like you go to the store and like on the menu, they show you what it's supposed to look like. And it okay. has like an amount of meat in it and, you know, like an amount of ingredients in it obviously is stylized because, you know, like all of those, those times that they take pictures of McDonald's burgers or, right, you know, all and that it's stuff, just it's not wax real. and like, exactly. Yeah. It's not real food, you know? Also, I, when I was a, a child, uh, my mom and dad were obsessed with me becoming an actor. Okay. Unsurprising. They thought it would be a good, you know, get rich quick scheme. So I for went them, to a lot of auditions. <laughs> I went to an act, acting school and in it, they were like, look, when you do, when you book a commercial, you're going to taste that. They're going to make you take a bite of that food, you know, and you got to act like you really like it, but it is going to be cold. <laughs> it's going to be like lucky if it's fucking cold as hell and it's going to be moist and weird. <laughs> and you got to chew that up and act like you like it. Yeah. Mmm. Mm, that's good. Yeah. You can totally tell when it's not, when they actually don't take a bite in the commercials and that yeah. happens like <laughs> kind of regularly. But did you watch the rehearsal, the, the Nathan Fielder show? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it blew my mind. It even provoked an emotional reaction from me. I, 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 I pooped out a little tear out of my eye hole. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was touching. It's really surprising. It's, it's very interesting. And it touched on that idea of like adults trying to like get their kids to be actors. Like oh, at an sure, age yeah. before they even have <laughs> any like consent or ability to. Are you talking about like the whole storyline with the house yeah. with the kid growing yeah, up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hella weird. Super fucking strange. He's like, so do you mind if we <laughs> like keep him up all night or I don't know, it was some weird, bizarre request and the and the mom's like, Oh yeah, that that's totally fine. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, that's totally no, I literally don't He's care. Fine. Like the one like the one woman that brought her kid to be, you know, a, a take a part in this show and yeah. he literally he didn't have a dad. And so he attached to Oh Nick, yeah, character. that's right. Oh my god! And it's just like, dude, that is like so sad. Dude. Yeah, you're you're this, the amount of emotional damage that adults do to kids. Oh yeah, without dude, it's I don't know, man. <laughs> with yeah, with zero fucks given, bro. Listen, zero fucks given. Humans, and this is why I understand where religious people are coming from. I get why you say we're born of sin and we're born broken and flawed and all that, because humans are are messy. They're fucking messy we are just like multifaceted chaotic minded meat sacks that are just slamming our way through the environment <laughs> just yeah we don't give a fuck about shit we will fuck up our kids man we will do it yeah gladly i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you and me aren't gonna nope because we're not having kids nope but yeah other people i realized that most of my friend group like the people that i know from you know, my early twenties and things like that. Like most of them don't have kids Mm -hmm. and most of them have zero plan on having kids. And it's kind of like idiocracy. It scares me a little bit because they're all like good people, (laughs) you know? And it's just like, we're all like, we're all the intelligent people that like think about these things. And we're all like, yeah, we shouldn't have kids. Well, don't put me in that basket. I'm certainly not intellectual at all or intelligent. 
No, you can barely. I'm just not having kids because I was terribly traumatized. <laughs> I know. I'm smoking <laughs> weed right now. That's not me. But uh, I was about? just uh, terribly traumatized as a child, and I don't want to uh, unload my weird shit on my kids that I don't even know what's going on. And then also, the world is fuck. As we've talked about, as we've discussed a little bit, the world is ending, and or it sure seems like that. And I don't want to bring a fucking kid into that environment. It's just too weird, man. It's just too fucking weird to be alive. Yeah. But that that is that whole discussion and thought process is what makes you more intelligent than the average person. It's just like <laughs> tunnel enough. vision okay. compartmentalizing things, you know, like, oh, nothing matters. I can just watch football. It's football season. Fucking A. I have been told, uh, I will give myself this. I have been told on numerous occasions that I, I think about shit too much. No. And I ask why too often. And so that makes me think, oh, you're probably pretty dumb then. You know, I don't know. Not that I'm smart. It's just that you're dumb. You know, if you're like literally like, I don't understand why you're asking why so much. Dude, you're kind of dumb. There's a little bit of dumbness in there. You can't be smart and be like, I don't understand why you're thinking about this so much. I don't understand why you think. Quit asking why. Like why? It just is, dude. With your with your thoughts, or maybe that's like the most enlightened take, actually. <laughs> well, so yeah, that's that's an interesting part about it. Depends <laughs> what you're saying, why too, but there is a lack of progress and a lack of forward momentum when you are asking why all the time. That's true, exactly. So it's as much a product of anxiety as it is intelligence, <laughs> or maybe they're linked somehow. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't even say that it's an intellectually, or I wouldn't even say that it's anxiety that is causing that because like when I was a little kid, I'm just an inherently curious person. Yeah. So I'd be like, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, like, <laughs> why is this thing? Like they were like, when, you know, when my family was like, okay, you know, you're Jewish. And I was like, why? Yeah. Like, why? Like, what? Like, what do you, like, what do you mean? What is Judaism? You know, and I'm like five and six years old and I'm just being like, hmm. Mm, I don't know about yeah, that, you yeah. know, and it's like, you don't just get to label me. And so it's just like, that isn't anxiety. Like I was, you know, at five years old, right. that it was not coming from a place of anxiety. <laughs> right, right. You know, so. You were just like, literally trying to get down to the bottom of things. I was trying things, to understand And shit. people are like, shut up. It just is that way. Seriously. Like my dad. <laughs> that was my girl, dad's argument for God. <laughs> he's like. Just shut up. God's everywhere. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like he's right here. Like I'm touching God. Like I don't know. I don't know what that means. Like, what does that mean? And he's just like, oh, shut the fuck up. It is, it is. It's just the way it is. You need to be an actor and make me money, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah. You need to pull your weight. You need to pull your weight, goddammit. Do you it. think you and your, mo- your, your mom and I wanted to have you? No. We're having trouble paying for the second car that we didn't need to get that we can't afford. It's all your fault, too. <laughs> six years old. Pile of bones. Why don't you get a job? Go be a chimney sweep. Chimney sweep. Oh, yeah. We're going to bring it back. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're bringing the chimney sweeps back. We're bringing back child labor, baby. So can I... Are you finished with your story and or is there anything else on the subjects that you would like to cover? Because I want to cover... I want to read you a story this time. Uh, Well, I was just going to say the last thing I wanted to say uh, was that my dad's girlfriend back in the day We'd all get in the car, be like, all right, we're all going, you know, and just be like, okay, we get in the car and I'd be like, where are we going? You know, I'm all like excited and happy. And she would just be like, we're going crazy. Shut up. 
Oh my god! It's all the fucking time. That is so fucked up to say to a kid, bro. Just like, like I'm like literally just a happy oh child, god. excited that we're going somewhere. Where are we going? Shh, going crazy. Shut up, like, dude. Oh, that's tight. I just got done, and we uh, wonder why I'm insecure. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that might have something to do with it. Ah, maybe. I just maybe. got done binging so many videos of uh, this family. It, it's it's a woman. And her husband, and then the husband's uh, adult autistic brother, and like he has a lot of issues, you know. Like he's uh, he's got sensory issues. Obviously, like he's very autistic. He's got ADHD. He's also got other things that come with like real, uh, you know, far on the spectrum autism, like you know, OCD, potentially schizophrenia. They're not sure. Like lots of things going on. So he has a lot of issues regulating his emotions. He has a lot of outbursts. They can get kind of violent. Also, he's got like some physical deformities, which kind of make things even harder for him. You know what I mean? So he gets frustrated a lot. Like his arms are really malformed, so he can't like use them very well. Anyway, uh, but these guys were taking such good care of this dude and had so much like love for this guy, like unconditional love you know he would constantly you know be like physically attacking them you know and screaming at the top of his lungs and they would just just deal with just put up with it you know because they love him and eventually he would tuck her out and like apologize and you know be aware that he and, and not want to do that again but can't help it you know what i mean yeah. but it was just like damn bro like that's so heartwarming and and cool and then to hear some shit like that it's just so sad man like why can't people just be loving you know this is a kid bro you can't say that kind of shit to a fucking child like relax like you're an adult act like an adult you know you're supposed to be modeling emotional regulation and modeling you know how to exist in the world and you're just you're telling this kid to shut up because he's being annoying because he's like being a child it's just crazy man yeah uh nothing like you know being physically mature and emotionally immature. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you are acting like an eight-year-old, but you're a 38-year-old. Right. I mean, that is a lot of adults, man. A lot, a lot of, of adults. adults. A lot. You know, I notice myself having, you know, adult temper tantrums, uh, tantrums or like, you know, saying things I regret or whatever, like acting out like a child. You know what I mean? Because I've mm-hmm. just still, like many adults, <laughs> haven't. I never got modeled emotional regulation and, you know, how to be social very much. <laughs> so I don't really know. I'm trying to figure it out on my own. And like, that's another reason I do not want to fucking have kids because I would transfer my emotional dysregulation and my lack of socialization onto my fucking children <laughs> as I'm trying to learn it. Yeah, but you could also, you know, do a lot of research and actually learn on like how to parent properly. And I mean, I you, mean, you still could do your theoretically best have sure. emotional slip-ups, but, you know, you could figure that out. And then you could go to therapy and regulate your stuff. But, you know, fuck that. Yeah. Let's just let's just live out these insecure lives. <laughs> be a man. Yeah, be a man. I'm going <laughs> to dwell in my insecurity because yeah, I'm going exactly. crazy. Yeah. Okay? I'm going to take a Find piss th- real quick before you get into your story. Okay, okay. Do it. You All know right. what I'm going to do? I'm In solidarity, I'm going to do it as well. Well, let's, let's, let's think about each other while we're in it. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs>
This one's for the ladies. Look, I know that you're stressing yourself out trying to learn how to twerk properly. Don't worry about that, okay? Come to Terry's interpretive twerking class, all right? It's only $700 for the class. The course lasts 16 weeks. It's super easy. Look, you could come to the strip mall. We have a little uh, little on-site twerking class. Of course, I'm going to be teaching it. I know quite a bit about twerking class, specifically interpretive twerking, okay? That's my specialty. I'm very good at interpretive twerking. Check this out. I'm going to do it right now. Or, you know, you can also sign up online. There's Zoom classes. We have a Discord chat. Uh, we also have a little podcast where we talk about pop culture, okay? Come see what I do when I interpretive twerk and then just kind of copy that. Uh, again, that's $700 for 16 weeks. Come in person. It's next to the uh, Kroger's on uh, 13th. Or you can sign up on my Zoom class, okay? That's Terry's Interpretive Twerking Classes.com. Okay, I'll see you there, ladies. I win. I win the race. My reward is almonds. Hey, how did you make it back so fast? Did someone not wash their hands? Huh? Huh? No, I won the P race. Huh? I won the P race. Oh, you did win it. <laughs> you won it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, here we go. Ready? No. This is of, as of August 29th, 2023 at 637 Eastern Standard Time. Wow. Okay. Listen, you're going to love this story, dude. I don't like it. You're literally going to love it. I literally don't like it. You don't have to like it. You're going to love it. What is it? Unconditionally. Burger King cannot ignore customers' beef with size of Whoppers. Court rules. Huh? Hell yeah. This class action lawsuit alleges that Burger King advertises its Whoppers to be larger than they actually are. You know what I just realized? Foxbusiness.com has a typo, a big old fat... I mean, it's Fox. Are you surprised? Typo here. It says the class action lawsuit alleges that Burger King advertisers its Whoppers to be larger than they actually are. That's what it said. Hell yeah. I advertise her myself all the time. That's what social <laughs> media is. It's good for advertising yourself. That's true. I'm advertising myself all the time. Yeah, there we go. Burger King was unable to shake customers' beef with the burger. Oh, they use the joke twice. Oh, my Lord. God this damn is, it, Fox. Who wrote this fucking shit? Sarah Rumpfwitten, you can go fuck yourself. All right, huh. we're going to keep going. Learn, how, learn grammar. Learn to write, Get an editor. bro. This is hack. You have t the same fucking joke in the first sentence and the headline. Come up with something new. All right. Burger King was unable to shake customers' beef with the burger chain after it lost a bid to dismiss a lawsuit that accused the chain of exaggerating the size of its Whoppers. Yep. Okay. Bro, there's another typo. Listen to this. This is what it actually says. Okay. Also, this sentence is so long. Okay. Huh. Burger King was unable to shake customers' beef with the burger chain after it lost a bid to dismiss a lawsuit that accused the chain of exaggerating the size its Whoppers. 
There's no of. Who's editing this? The size, it's whoppers. Does it say edited by? <laughs> no, that's the problem, I guess. <laughs> there was no editor. This person's <laughs> there was on a no deadline editor. and they cranked it out. You know what I'm saying? They did. Like a 12-year-old. But what's funny is that they could have probably gone back and done a few edits. No. It was published August Come, 29th. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> talking about i'm gonna make a gigantic crazy assumption and say that fox business probably doesn't do a great job compensating their writers oh what are you talking about (laughs) the 26 page is a great boss (laughs) the 26 page class action lawsuit claims the burger joint has been advertising its signature whoppers to make them appear approximately 35 percent larger in size Accurate. and contain more than double the meat yep. than the actual burger yep. yeah that's shrinkflation right i mean come on that's what i'm saying um well that's also just false advertising because it's that's true so th- the difference between shrinkflation would be like they're just like keeping the price well so so that's so that's an interesting thing though because shrinkflation the reason that people get a, it, it they get away with it so much is because it's like in packaging like opaque packaging. Right, cuz I was going to say that is a pretty serious difference is that the issue here is that Burger King advertised it as a certain way and then it wasn't Doritos doesn't advertise how many chips are in the bag, you know. Yeah. So that's a pretty serious difference. Sorry. I was getting dinner. I would never hold that against you, dude. Why? Uh, uh. Opaque packaging. Yes. Selena reminded me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's <laughs> the thing about point. it. It's like they keep the bag the same size and they just remove, you know, so you have to actually like look at the, you know, the weight. It's down at the bottom of the bag. Like same thing mm, with the mm-hmm. with the Costco packs of toilet paper. It's just like they're not wrapping them as tight. Right. And so it's like the, the roll looks the same, but it's not yeah. the same amount that's of sheets ridiculous. per thing. Yeah. So it's like that shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just feel like I should get a law degree so I can just be suing everything. Everything needs to be sued. <laughs> yeah. See, but the, oh man, litigation. No, it does make material changes. It's true. Like like the McDonald's thing. You know what I mean? That that was such a famous case and it did lead to a material change in the way McDonald's does business. The whole uh, you know. Well, this is yeah, the burnt, coffee. Yeah, the coffee thing, the burnt thighs. Yeah. So I guess you're right. I guess litigation is pretty effective. But it's like again, if if they have enough money and enough lawyers, then you're screwed. Like it doesn't matter, you know? Sorry to cut you off. Well, so the thing about it is you see a lot of people settling out of court for uh, amounts of money, and people assume that that means that they're guilty. But in reality, what the business is doing is they're assessing if going to trial would cost more money than simply paying the person. Right. right. The goal is to just, yeah, is to pay them less than what they would have had to pay, you know, the courts, and especially if they lost, and the lawyers and all that shit. Yeah. So that's the problem is that suing costs money so maybe i just need to i need to figure out who to sue for the least amount of money use that money reinvested in another lawsuit oh that's genius keep it going keep it going baby a professional litigator yeah i mean yeah it's just ridiculous you know i was i was talking a couple episodes ago about how you know like the idea of suing the police department for false advertising you know and like <laughs> suing our, our right. government for false advertising like why do we have to pay taxes yeah or something right. that we're promised when in reality, 50% of taxes are just going to the military. Right. That's not what I'm paying my taxes for. And I didn't agree to do that. Yeah. 
But, you know, yeah. that's one of those like, oh, well, the, you know, you, you signed the waiver and they said that they could change the terms of the agreement at any point in time, <laughs> right. you know, like type of yeah. thing where. Well, the other thing too is like, I believe in Europe, I think that they list what your tax money goes to, like on your fucking, you know, paycheck or whatever. Like it lists what you're investing in essentially. Yeah. Like they don't do that shit in America. It's so hard to find out where taxes go, like yeah. what we're paying for. Who knows? It's like very difficult. You know, transparency is not America, the American government's strongest suit. Although I will say it does have more transparency than like, you know, some other countries that are more dictatorial or whatever, I guess, but still. Yeah, but that's that's one of those things that people always like to do that and be like, oh, well, well we're better than these people and we're better than, right. you know, like this. And it's just like, well, it doesn't matter. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fairness and, and, and the legitimacy of this system. Right. People are always like to be like, oh, well, over here, you know, like, it's like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking <laughs> right, about this right. fucking system. Stop yeah, changing yeah. the argument. Like, stop changing the discussion. And the point is that this was supposed to be a transparent, you know, democratic government. That's the fucking, that was the supposed point. That's like, you know what I mean? What we're told was the whole point of this thing. Yeah. Like, we have the First Amendment in order to be sure that we can you know, that the government is transparent enough that we can like, you know, do some journalism on them. You know what I mean? Investigate them, like go into any public building, see any public office. You know what I'm saying? Like that's supposed to be in there. And if it's not, we should sue them. We should give them a sue. Give them you know a good old sue. Just say, hey, have you met my aunt Sue? Hey, you know what I'm saying? What's up? <laughs> my aunt's... <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, so basically, Burger King, all they have to do is like change their advertising just to match reality. They don't, that's all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what is the, 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 the fallacy, psychological fallacy is called where you just constantly are moving the goalposts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You mean like whataboutism where you're like, yeah, but there's an actual term for it. It's not called, you know, whataboutism. Is it not? Oh. No, there's I have I have a psychology textbook. I'm gonna look that shit up. Yeah, there's you the should. List, dude. The list of fallacies are always it's really so interesting to, to look at. I was thinking, I was like, is it red herring? But no, that's no that's a red fault. herring would be like, wouldn't it be like superfluous information thrown yep. out to like distract you or whatever? Exactly. This yeah. one is to be the one you're talking about. We're talking about is like, um, if you just bring up another example, like a similar example, but it's like not what we're actually talking about. Like it is what aboutism, but yeah, if there's like a specific name for it. Yeah. Oh, you think America's bad? What about Venezuela? What about Venezuela? Have I told you about Venezuela? <laughs> I looked up moving the goalposts and then clicked the Wikipedia and it says moving the goalposts or shifting the goalposts is a metaphor derived of goal-based sports that means to change the rule or criterion of a process of competition while it is still in progress in such a way that the new goal offers one side an advantage or disadvantage. Oh. Logical fallacy. The fallacy is called to quoke. To coke. To quoke. I think it's coke. You do coke? It, it means you also in Latin. What, uh, about, what aboutism is another name for the logical fallacy to quoke. Okay. Okay. I don't know how to say that. T-U-Q-U-O-Q-U-E. -T is that coke? To coke. Q-U-O-Q-U-E. Pronunciation. Oh, yeah, I could just do that, huh? 
Hold on. I got it. To Coquay. Oh, to Coquay, huh? All right. To Coquay. Yeah, an accusation is met with a counter accusation. So I guess like if I brought up Venezuela, it wouldn't exactly be the same because um, it would more like if you're talking to a, you know, a Russian dude and the Russian's like, well, what did America do here? And you're like, oh, yeah, well, what did Russia do, buddy? You know, yeah, that would be too cool. Too cool. Yeah. Speaking of Venezuela, and I mean, it's not even in this show necessarily, but have, do you ever, have you watched Narcos? Mm-mm. On uh, Netflix? Nah, I, it didn't catch me for whatever reason. I was just, just like, you don't nah, I don't need to see another fucking crime drama. You know what I mean? It's a crime drama, but also like historically, there's a lot of historical accuracy in it. Mm. And I, I don't know. I, I highly enjoy it. I think it's yeah. amazingly cast. It's amazingly shot. The writing is really good. Like the character of Pablo Escobar, you know, yeah. like they, they do a really good job. Like, cause you could, you could just like look at his, you know, statistics and be like, oh, well, he had over a thousand, you know, police killed. You know, he Ooh. he he bombed a uh, a, a commercial flight, Damn. and like and like killed, you know, hundred people over hundred a hundred people on a commercial flight. You could just look at like the list of things that he did and be like, that guy's a monster. He's fucking yeah. horrible. Blah blah blah. But they do a really good job of you know giving him roundness to create a good character in the show but those shows are you know they obviously dramatize things but there is a lot of accuracy and a lot of the shit is very well articulated in how the cia was meddling with a lot of shit down Mm. in south america and things like that you know i mean the show's the first one you know is based out of Colombia, so they like talk about how the cia was essentially like giving military you know, weaponry and stuff like that to various groups that were anti-communism and stuff like that. Oh, like yeah. This, the, is this the, different... the Contra thing? Is that what that is? Or is that a different... Iran-Contra? Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. Oh, no, that was, <laughs> that was fucking Iran. Yeah. I mean, this thing. the thing about it is, like, we've supplied... We just do that shit a lot. <laughs> like, all, all the time. And, it, like, I don't know. I'd highly recommend watching the show if you can get past the subtitles. Yeah, well, maybe I should, man. Shit. I just finished... Um, it was my second time watching it. Gracias. Thank you, babe. Um, it was my second time watching it. I, I'd watched it a couple years ago, but uh, I just finished Narcos, the the main one, which, you know, first two seasons are about the Medellin cartel and uh, Pablo Escobar, and then the third season's about the Cali cartel, mm. and then it switches over to Narcos Mexico, and there are three seasons of that. And Oh, damn. You know, it's it's also very good. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's crazy to like watch like the drug trade and like the war on drugs and all these things and learn like a lot about why policies are the way that they are. Right. In interesting ways. But yeah. Well, well, well. What food have you uh acquired? What sustenance are you about to masticate? Oh, I was just delivered some fajitas. Oh, fuck yeah, bruh. Yeah, some, some homemade fajitas. That sounds amazing. I know, and like they smell really fucking good right now, and so you know what I'm saying. You gotta get that shit in your mouth. I gotta put it in my mouth. I bet that's not shrinkflated. I bet you anything. No, they look very rotund. You know what I'm rotund, saying? Rotund, yeah. Some rotundity. Yeah. Uh, what do you got going on this evening? I'm gonna eat some chicken. Mm. 
I got chicken right next to me. Chicken fajitas. Hell motherfucking yeah. And then I'm going to uh, try not to cringe out of my body while I edit my um, Indiegogo pitch video. What's an Indiegogo? It's just like a fundraiser, but I didn't want to use GoFundMe because it's like people use use GoFundMe for medical bills. <laughs> it just feels inappropriate. Yeah. But I was going to do Kickstarter, but Indiegogo gives you the option of like, if you don't reach your goal, you still get whatever you raised. Hmm. And since this is my first thing, maybe it would be smarter to <laughs> not like hold fast to a, a a number. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That'd probably be smart. You know, you just start raising money, give it a shot. Yeah. See where it goes. You know what I mean? I thought about starting a uh, GoFundMe for my dental bills. Yeah. My dad did that. Yeah. I got $4,000 in dental bills. So you know what I mean? Jesus. Yeah. I'm supposed to get a root canal. GoFundMe has, uh, there was just a news article about GoFundMe being the, like the unofficial social network or uh, uh, what's the word? Like, yeah, I guess social uh, network. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. But it's, you know, helping fund everybody's medical bills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't have, I don't think I have friends that have money. So like the idea and safety not, net. There we go. Social safety net. Jesus fucking Christ. Go. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. We're good at words here. <laughs> Terms, words. I've been so terrible. Ideas, thoughts. It's good. No, I don't, I don't, all my friends are struggling with their own finances. So like the idea of me asking for $4,000 is tough. Yeah. It's like, Hey, if you're a listener and you feel bad for me and my dental bills, go buy some t-shirts. <laughs> Go buy something, yeah. you know, spend some money, you know, even though I'll only get a fraction of it, but hey. Well, you want to buy some t-shirts anyway, because they're you fucking You should buy t-shirts. Dope. You should get a coffee cup. They're the coffee amazing. cup's good. There's it's a good coffee cup. Who doesn't need another fucking coffee cup? I need a coffee cup. I don't have enough. I drink coffee. I don't drink coffee anymore. Did I tell you I stopped drinking coffee? What the fucking hell? How do you do that? How are you supposed to do that? I don't know. I don't know. It's but I did. insane. I'm, I'm on green tea. Okay. Well, you're getting a little caffeine. You're good. I get caffeine, Whew. but it's it's better it's better for my liver. Yeah, well, that's fair. So I don't know if I've told you about my liver problems, but you know. no. Do you have jaundice? What's going on? I got jaundice. You know that's why my Fuck. eyes are yellow. I just thought you like maybe tattooed your eyes or something. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I'm jaundiced. Maybe it was the light. I don't know. I don't know. No, um, I had fatty. I was diagnosed with fatty liver disease. Which is, you can get from being an alcoholic. This just sounds like an insult. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you got a fatty liver. And the doctor's like, your fucking liver's fat. Get you out. Fat liver. So what happened, dude? You just, well, so too many they, toxins or what's going on? Well, they were like, so, you know, how much alcohol do you drink? And I was like, well, I don't drink. And they're like. <laughs> Literally none. Uh, well, you have an alcoholic's liver, so something's happening here. And then I what figured the it fuck? out after a little while. It was because I was taking. 1,200 to 1,600 milligrams of ibuprofen every day for like over five years because oh, of car shit. accidents and shit, you know, and then and yeah. losing physical therapy and all those ordeals. And so, you know, I was just, and then having to work constantly, you know, I was working anywhere from 10 to 18 hour days for like Ooh. good a good while. God damn. And, you know, you just take a lot of ibuprofen and you just keep grinding. You know what I mean? You keep grinding until your bones start to grind. Yeah, right. Grinding your fucking bones to dust. Exactly. And so, yeah, I was doing that for a good while. And so I had, you know, liver issues, obviously, coming from that. And, you know, I was experiencing hypersomnia, 
Oh, the op- okay. The opposite of insomnia. Interesting. Right? Where I was, I was sleeping exhausted all the time, much. sleeping too much. I would sleep for 10 hours a day and still be tired Damn. and like couldn't get out of bed, you know, like, so I started, you know, I figured out it was a liver issue and then changed my diet heavily. And then I took that blood allergy test, figured out what I was allergic to and uh, things were going good for a while, but then I was going, I was getting dyshydrosis. What is that? It was, it's bumps on the hand. Oh. Right. And that was from, you know, it's actually, it's not really known where it comes from, but so I was talking to my doctor and bumps, like, are they painful? Are they like spots? They itch like fucking oh, crazy. No. It's and like then, hives or some shit. Yeah, it's almost like mini hives. And, Weird. You know, I think it's food allergy based, you know, partially, especially mm. because I'm not eating so many of the things that I was allergic to for such a long time. Yeah. But I was still getting these like super heavy bumps on my hands and didn't really know what to, to do about it. And the doctor that I talk to and, and go to is also, they do Eastern medicine as opposed to Western. Okay. And they suggested that like, maybe your liver is inflamed because you're essentially, you're eating too much fire. I don't know if you're um, familiar with Ayurveda, mm-hmm. but no, I've never it's, heard of it. um, all foods essentially equate to like one of the, you know, different energies like earth, fire, oh, sure. um, gas, and, um, or, you know, airy and, uh, um, you know, like water-based. And so they were like, well, maybe you're eating too many like fire, fiery foods. And they were telling me how coffee is essentially very, very heat inducing. It can create like a lot of heat internally in your body. Mm -hmm. And I stopped drinking coffee and the bumps went away. Oh, no shit. So yeah. Hey, if it works, it works. Fuck it. it, I know. I miss coffee though, man. And so like I I had some- not do well with that. I mean, you got to do it. You got to do it. But- I yeah. love coffee. I love coffee, but I wanted to feel good after yeah. not feeling good <laughs> exactly. for 34 years. And so, yeah, I think you deserve it, man. You yeah, know, I deserve to feel good because I'm a real boy. <laughs> exactly. I'm a real boy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What are you doing with the rest of your evening? Well, we got to go shopping here in a little bit because. What are you, you going to get some new slacks? Oh, yes. I'm going slack shopping at 830. A, a turtleneck? No, oh, we're getting food. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, got a grocery shop. You're you're requiring your sundries. Yep. Well, I was in Seattle from Friday to Sunday, and then I came back and I passed out, and then we went to a we, we went and saw Sorcerer. Sorcerer. What is nine fifteen p.m. on Sunday night, and then I had to work Monday morning. I got four hours of sleep. Oh, it's like an old movie. Oh, you went to a cool movie theater. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Sorcerer is. Directed by William Friedkin, if I recall yeah. correctly, the guy who did The Exorcist. Yeah. And it's, it is starring Roy Scheider. Love Roy Scheider. Yeah. And it is a very interesting movie. I'm not going to lie. I did not pick up on everything that was happening in it. And mm-hmm. then when I went, I went and read about it afterward because I wanted to know. But they don't make movies like they used to, but the movie bombed heavily because mm. it came out the same year as Star Wars. And everyone was just seeing Star Wars over and over and over again. But also, it was called Sorcerer. It was directed by the guy who did The Exorcist. And so people thought it was going to be a horror movie, and it's not a horror movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's, but, that was maybe not the best marketing, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> they should have probably just called it some other shit. Yeah, it's, yeah, when, like, you 
the name, like when you read about, because like, there's a lot of like literature about the movie and like the backstory of the movie, and everyone got like a bunch of people got malaria. Oh shit! Because they were on on location in Southern America or what? Yeah, South they were America? in the Dominican Republic for like a lot oh, of okay. forest scenes. Because like, so apparently Friedkin really liked and looked up to and idolized and was chasing after Francis Ford Coppola. And so he essentially tried to do his own apocalypse now. Oh, that's and a bad idea. Dude, He d it's not like the dude is ignorant at how tortured that whole process was and how fucked up it was. Yeah. Like, what? It, what? Why would you want to recreate that? That's yeah. terrible. And it's not It's not a, a war movie by any means, but no. it's, it's like an interesting movie. It starts out with four vignettes at the start, and then... That's like part one of the movie. And then part two is they're in a, a remote village in Colombia. And like they've all, you know, like various things happen to each one of them. So they have to go on the run. Mm -hmm. Like one of them is a Palestinian fighter that is pretending to be Jewish and he sets off a bomb. Oh, then, shit. And then goes, you know, has then like two of the people that he's with get killed. One of them gets captured and he goes on the run. Damn. Another guy's a French banker who's being accused of fraud. And he's trying to figure out, you know, like get a bailout essentially from his father-in-law and his partner commits suicide. He realizes that shit's about to go like down and he's going to get arrested. So he, he runs. And then the, the third one is Ray, uh, Roy Scheider's character. And he is an Irish mobster. I think <laughs> okay. that hits that like they rob a church that does like bingo services. And so they have a bunch of cash down in the basement and the church is robbed, uh, run by the Italian mob. Oh and, shit. <laughs> oh no. And they, they end up shooting one of the priests. The priest is the brother of like some, you know, like high up gangster. Oh damn. Yeah. And so he has to go on the run as well. And so the four people all end up in this remote village they all are trying to get out of the village, but they don't have enough money because it's super impoverished. And the village is run by an oil co American oil company. And the well, there's like a well, like an oil well that um, lights on fire. And apparently the only way to, to turn that, get that fire to stop is by blowing it up with dynamite. Oh, okay. I don't know the logic behind that, but apparently that's like a thing. So like if a well's on fire, you blow it up. Interesting. I don't. I don't, I don't know. And that will like, maybe the earth will close down on the, <laughs> yeah, maybe on I the don't fire, know. you know, or I'm not Yeah, really I sure. guess if you somehow close the well off, then it doesn't get oxygen. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so they That's didn't weird. explain that part or maybe they did explain it. And I just missed it because I watch movies in subtitles and you know, it's like, it's a movie made in the late seventies. Yeah. You know, the, the, the dialogue isn't always the best. There's multiple languages going on in the movie. So they need to get dynamite and they, you know, the, the, the four people get hired to be drivers to drive dynamite 218 miles mm. to the well. So that's the plot of the film. That's like the, the real, the real tension. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the dynamite is volatile because it's been sitting in a storage facility for a good while. And what, I guess what happens when. It dynamite sweats. isn't kept properly. Yeah, it sweats the nitroglycerin out. Yeah. The nitroglycerin pools. And then, you know, with the, the slightest vibrations, it can essentially ignite. So 
Fucking they have terrifying. to be driving it across the jungle. I mean, it's the movie's dope. Like, it's a really fucking good movie. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay. I would recommend seeing it. But yeah, so we went to that on Sunday night, you know, and that's, that's essentially the dope. plot of the movie without giving away anything that, you know, happens. But uh, and then, yeah, we have this recording. We have recording tomorrow night with the Outsiders Social Club. And then I have a, another mm-hmm. recording with the Outsiders Social Club on Thursday. Oh, damn. You're doing the whole thing. They're doing it back to back. And then Friday, we're recording Lieutenant Head Trip for the Below the Noise podcast. Oh, dope. Yep. I don't know who Lieutenant Head Trip is, but that's a great name. Yeah. He's a Brooklyn MC that located out here. I want to say he's from Brooklyn. He's from New York. But... uh Super nice dude. He got a shout out on the uh, Open Mike Eagle album, the new Open oh, Mike shit. Eagle album. So that's dope. If, if you listen to that project and you hear him like when he's shouting out a bunch of people, you hear him say "Head Trip." He's talking about this guy, Lieutenant Head Trip. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And then I have a doctor's appointment Thursday morning. I still got to edit next week's episode. Blah blah blah. You know, like I got I got stuff. To You're do, a busy you know? bitty. I'm a busy boy. You know, and I'm sure the listening audience would be like, oh, great. I got an update on Colin's doings uh, from two weeks ago. That's so cool. This is what I I've always wanted. <laughs> this is like, yeah, it's going to be two weeks old by the time it gets out. Ah! But know. you know what? Fuck them. There, I had nothing. I was hoping something would come. I, I was hoping I'd announce that I had something to say by saying, you know what? And then it would just flow. And then well, it didn't. Well, you're you're doing a movie. You know, you're doing your yep. animation. You got your yep. launch party coming up yep. on Friday. You know, you Indiegogo, baby. Do. Let's do this. Indiegogo. Make sure you get me the link and I'll put it up for the episode and, and put it in the description. We'll do. We'll yeah. fucking do. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Eat your fajita, bro. I will. One Eat last, a fajita. One last thing. I got an interview. I interviewed for an audio engineer slash producer for this podcast. Oh, shit. From a local media company. And the uh, woman who runs the company, she is a director, actor, and screenwriter. And she just won a award for a screenplay. So she's going down to LA to accept the award. Oh, shit. But point is, getting into the movie industry. Do it, man. Do it. Just do it. Yeah. I'm going to get you more acting jobs. (laughs) Yeah. Get me acting jobs. Played a scientist. Get a producer credit. Write some fucking movies. Let's go, man. All right, we're going to be uh, real rich pretty we're soon. Gonna, we're going to be so rich, and then we're not going to pay taxes because we're rich. Yeah, because we're going to pay a bunch of tax experts and legal experts to rig the whole fucking world for us, man. You know what? We won't have to do shit yeah. for That's anybody. Right. That's right. You know, blue collar. And we can exploit Freely. You know, we're not blue collar anymore. Fuck white collar. We're gold collar. Oh, Sigma shit. Oh, what you think about that? Gold collar, bitch. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Calm down. That was, like, that was a bit aggressive. <laughs> I fucking, I'm going too hard right now. Yeah. Black magic noise. Blunt records. Yo. Said I'm taking shots till I think I'm Tupac. Lean a Hennessy till I think I'm Pim C. Drinking Sean Dawn like my name was Biggie Smalls. Getting fucked up, party all night long. Fucking groupies like I was Easy E. Smoking mad weed like I'm Mr. Marley. Popping my leaf from my nigga Mac Dre. Getting 
fucked up, party all damn day My nigga, my nigga, step on in, it's a celebration Five fingers to the face, if you fuckers play a hatin' The boogeyman dingo, the hometown hero With the steel bar, steelo, bum niggas get zero Respect from the chief and chinchilla Swisher swole shut from the glue of gorilla My nigga, north, north, west, west, blast that ass Super Saiyan speed, boy, you can't move that fast Full of heat strains in my veins, got me speaking strange High octane, profane, I get you with the flame Golden rule, don't fool with the toadstool Wielding two tools and looking for reasons to lose is cool Washington warlock, smoking pot, fuck a wristwatch Money that you spend on jewels, I spend on drugs I, I ain't in the club with no bottle of bub I'm high on LSD and petting bear cubs And I'm taking shots till I think I'm Tupac Being a Hennessy till I think I'm Pimp C Drinking Sean Dawn like my name was Biggie Smalls Getting fucked up, party all night long Plugging groupies like I was Easy e Smoking mad weed like I'm Mr. Marley Poppin' Molly for my nigga Mac Dre Gettin' fucked up, party all damn day My nigga, my nigga